Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Hey. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. How safe are you? When you are using social media, are you exposing yourself or your kids or your grandkids and putting them at risk every time they post something? People are more connected today than ever. You know, we got big techs, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. It just goes on and on and on. And I know we all use this stuff, or at least most of us do. Uh, I don't use it a huge amount of time, but I do get on there. And, and I know many of you do. And uh, I particularly like to see photos of friends, my family. I like to check out on the Tennessee scene, you know, with the sports, football, basketball. Check out people, places people recommend. Or just learn the latest dance craze with my daughters on TikTok. You know, they kind of got me into that uh, here recently. Um, you know, they're always wanting to do crazy stuff with me uh, and do funny videos with me. Um, so social media also helps companies build their brands. It allows friends and relatives to connect, provides weather, event updates. Social media is a big, big business, and it attracts millions of users and generates billions of dollars in revenue, and it's certainly here to stay. But there is a deeper, darker side to social media. You know, sometimes users can be targeted for scams, Cyberbullying is prevalent among youth, and data tracking and usage is no longer yours to control. You know, I think a lot of this stuff, you know, can be really, really good if it's used properly, but it can also be misused. So this morning, Jamie Fromberger, she's a social media expert and educator. She's joining us, and we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of social media. Good morning, Jamie. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Jamie, give us a little bit about your background. You've been working on social media security for a while now. Just give our listeners a sense for, you know, the kind of stuff you've been doing. I have. It's been about six years now. I do marketing as my full-time career for businesses. So when you mention how important it is for their revenue and their exposure, I have that side of it. So I know how to target the customer. And then in addition, I've partnered with Knox County Schools, Street Hope, and then local churches and stuff. And I go around and I help educate parents on what they may not know because our generation did not grow up with this kind of exposure. And, you know, when we would go home from school, it would end. Our, our peer interaction would be face-to-face, and now it kind of comes home online. And so it's telling them what they're missing out on, what they don't know that their kids are seeing online. And then I work with the kids and kind of teach them the vulnerabilities that they may not realize that they're sharing their habits, their personal information, and give them a heads up. You know, that's a great point about coming home from school, Jamie. I, you know, I mean, I've got two girls. They're, I have a sophomore in college, and then I have a freshman in high school. 
And, you know, I'm concerned, as many parents are, with the amount of time, you know, our kids spend on their phones and on social media. But I had not thought about the fact that you're right. You know, growing up, when I came home from school, I would be disconnected from the friends, largely. I mean, we didn't even have cell phones back in the 80s. So we would be disconnected Mm -hmm. and home with our families. And, you know, I guess there's that, you know, it seems like depression is higher among youth today. Um, I guess there are people who are always comparing themselves to each other. I guess this all kind of feeds into each other. It is, because if you look at a typical Friday night, you didn't know what other people were necessarily doing, and you didn't know that you were excluded. And now you're seeing it live action, and sometimes people can get as ruthless as tagging you in an event so that you know that you weren't there. And it even carries over to parents tagging other parents and things like that. And it's a a different generation right now. Well, and uh, people also put forth their best, you know, people aren't putting their warts on social media, right? They're putting forward no, their it's, best it's stuff. it's a highlight. Yeah. It's a highlight, <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, it, yeah. it can be a danger if you start comparing yourself with all of these, these things you're seeing on social media, right? Very true, yes. Yeah, now that we're talking about the cultural impact, and, and really, uh, you know, a lot of the content today is about other stuff. But, you know, before we get to, the, to some of the things we need to be aware of, let's talk about the good. I mean, it's a great mm-hmm. way to stay connected, right? I mean, when the people, and we're going to talk a little bit later about the documentary, The Social Dilemma. But, you know, the creation of all this was rooted in the ability to stay connected. I mean, it's great for grandparents and grandchildren. It's a great way to stay connected to people you love and be, you know, see what they're doing in their lives. So, I mean, it's, and it can be a great thing for business, too, to reach potential consumers and stay engaged with consumers. So, ultimately, it can be a great thing, right? Yes, especially during the pandemic when everyone was quarantined, it was a wonderful way for I have teenagers for them to stay in touch with their friends. Absolutely. Now, I got to say, at the beginning of the pandemic, Jamie, I spent a little time on TikTok with my daughters and they play jokes (laughs) on me. You know, I didn't do it. I don't have my own TikTok account, but they would, especially my oldest girl, she would always want to do these funny videos where she makes me look stupid, basically. (laughs) And actually, one of those had like 1.6 million views on TikTok. It was really funny. She tricked me on something. And it was fun, you know. And, and, mm-hmm. and for me, it was it was fun because I connected with my daughter, and she was laughing at me, and or really with me, you know. It was just fun with the connection. But I can see, you know, when you're scrolling through those TikTok videos, I can see that it could be a real rabbit hole once you start scrolling. And you look up. Whether it's Facebook or TikTok or whatever, you look up and you've spent potentially hours on the social media. You know, how do we, is it it a danger to use social media to escape and to pass the time? It seems like right now we can't, I mean, we can't sit down in a waiting room at a doctor's office without pulling out our phones and looking at social media. It can be, and you know, that's kind of a catch-22 question because before you were looking at magazines, so you're still just getting information differently. It's a matter of what you're looking at and how you're relaying it to yourself. If you're comparing it or if you're looking at news sites or things like that, you're just occupying the time. So how much are you addicted to it? If you gave yourself a social media break, 
would you be able to handle it? And there are statistics that some people have to touch their phone, just touch it, not even look at it, just know that it's in their vicinity within an hour a certain amount of times or they start to panic. Can you leave your house without your phone and continue on or do you turn around because you have to have it with you? Those type of things I think are to be concerned with. If you are on it when you have time to kill, that's a little bit different maybe. Yeah, so really it, it can cause, social media is a great opportunity to stay connected, but in a way it can almost cause a disconnect because we spend time on our phones yeah. instead of making arrangements to see people in person or talk to them instead of texting. So what are some of the other pitfalls for people when they, when they use social media instead of personal interaction? Well, you have the, the generation that really bases their self-esteem and their importance on the number of followers and likes that they have. And that can be dangerous because you don't necessarily know who's following you and who's liking the things that you're doing. And there are some questionable characters in the world right now. And if they're watching your every move, their intentions may not be the best. And so they start to base what they do, their actions, off of who likes them, how many likes they have, and then they're not being their genuine self. And that kind of carries over into photographs. I'm not sure if you've heard of Snapchat dysmorphia or Instagram dysmorphia, but all of those Oh, uh, trust me, I'm familiar with Snapchat and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, when like I, I say, I've got two girls. <laughs> When I talk to the kids at the different middle schools, I tell them that if they ever were to go missing, law enforcement might have to go out to like a pasture and look for a deer because they just keep making themselves look like farm animals instead of what they really look like. People forget. But if you give a 12-year-old a phone and she's not allowed to wear makeup, but she constantly filters herself to look a certain way with the raised cheekbones and the heavy eyeliner and the fake eyelashes, when she does put on makeup for the first time, it's going to be quite an experience. She's not going to have that subtle look that you should at 12 or 13. Yeah, so their expectations are just a little unrealistic. And do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm right, correct, that, I mean, you're the expert, but isn't youth depression in our youth at, at the highest it's ever been? Do you think this is a big contributing factor it, to that? It, it absolutely is. Because people have such um, an anonymous, point of view online they feel warranted to say whatever they want right whereas i don't feel that they would do that face to face most of the time yeah i think you're right about so that. they can Absolutely. highly insult someone else even if it's just with an emoji or a dislike or something like that you're you're in like reading what somebody says through language of text and it can always be taken wrong it's very hard to to read through yeah. what someone means that's exactly right we're visiting with Jamie Fromberger. She's a social media consultant and expert, and we're talking. We're going to get into, you know, what are some of the actual dangers like the, the, the predatory concerns? Um, you know, how can we be protecting our kids? What, how can we be protecting ourselves? What about things like identity theft and, and all kinds of and physical dangers? So we're visiting with Jamie Fromberger, so stay tuned as you're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. 
During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living. Jim Brogan. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. You're listening to More Living. And we're visiting. It's a very important topic. How safe are you with all the online social media? Facebook, TikTok. She mentioned, Jamie, our guest, mentioned Instagram and, and Snapchat. Uh, we're visiting with Jamie Fromberger. She's a social media expert, consultant, and let's talk a little bit more, uh, Jamie, about the youth, and then we'll get into some of the other issues with social media. But I know you work with teens and parents on how to safely operate online. And, and Knox County <laughs> Schools and almost all of the private schools now are offering online learning platforms for the students. And, of course, right now with COVID-19, more and more you know, we're having to do online learning, but you know, the, the, the schools were already doing these online platforms. So what are concerns about the access to the internet for students, especially younger adults, or excuse me, younger students? Well, of course you always have the worry about the pop-ups or the people who hack into them, but I will say that Knox County in itself has been very, very good with their privacy settings and their measures that they've taken to reduce access to any limited sites. Um, my children have been in Knox County schools since they were given the laptops entering West Valley. And I personally tried to enter all of those sites just to see what would happen, and it limited all of them. So you couldn't enter social media sites. You couldn't enter any of those um, unwanted areas. And so that I found to be very reassuring. I have one doing virtual and we haven't experienced any of the unwanted visitors that I know horror stories do speak of. As far as the private schools, I believe that they have had access to online learning um, and virtual as in laptops and MacBooks and things like that over the years prior to this. And when I visited their schools, they have been very much on top of how smart kids are because they would try to go around the VPN network and get their own access to those sites. And their technology team is just fantastic. They they are one step of the kids who are literally two steps ahead of me. So I give um, a huge applause to the school system here. Yeah, you know, I wasn't aware of that. That's very good, promising to hear that, that we're that on top of the security issues there. Now, you work, Jamie, with Street Hope Tennessee and on Project Post, which is positive online safety tools with Knox County Schools to educate teens on how to engage safely online. What do students, students learn during, the, during that series? I did. This was about two years ago we started filming it, and it was a project that Street Hope Tennessee created with the, the backing of Knox County, a three-part video series. And what they'll do is start in middle school in their health class, and they'll watch one video series that really focuses on the warning signs of trafficking online. Because 
what I think that a lot of us have in our head, it's going to be somebody that pulls up in a rickety old white van that looks very much like an old ice cream truck. Hey, kid, you want some candy? Get in my van. I'm going to steal you and take you away. And that's just not how it is these days. So it's teaching them. It's people that come across as fellow teenagers. They learn your habits. They learn things that are just very convincing. And so the red flags and then my section of it focuses on how much information you're actually sharing online with your user profiles and things that you don't realize are in the background, such as that. And then the third part focuses a little bit more on cyberbullying and sexting. All that is so important. Um, you know, you mentioned predatory behavior. And so with all of our time mm-hmm. online, and especially with the young kids, I would imagine predatory behavior. I mean, everything we see shows it's gone up. What are some red flags that parents need to look for, Jamie, that would indicate that their child maybe has an inappropriate online relationship? They'll start to get very secretive with their time on their phone. Um, So I would encourage phone check-ins with kids, especially while parents still pay for the phone bill. I don't see that to be an invasion of privacy whatsoever. But teaching their kids, the biggest thing is to learn for the red flag warnings themselves. So uh, the biggest question I get asked is, what is the most appropriate time to allow your child to have social media? If they're in that age range and you feel that they keep asking, they're probably going to get on it anyways. So if you can sit down and have the safety conversation prior, you're probably going to be ahead of the game and telling them things like if you're engaging in someone and they're asking you questions like how often do your parents check your social media or how often do your parents get on your computer, those aren't things that a typical peer would would care about. They wouldn't concern themselves with that. That's something that an older individual would want to be aware of to know that there is an adult in the room. So if you can tell your child that's a red flag, come and get me, then they'll be more comfortable to tell you, hey, I got this strange question from so-and-so, and I'm not really sure. And the other dangerous part of all of this is the friends in common. If you get a friend request on Facebook and you see, oh, I have four friends in common, I must know them. Well, that's a lot of how kids accept friends, too. But that first person who accepted it may have just done it very blindly. And now you have a predator who has one connection and that's really all it takes. So then they have two and then they have four and then they have 15 and they watch those 15 and they look for signs of isolation, signs of depression. Who's the one that's not checked in on Friday night with everyone else. Who's the one that's using hashtag sad or hashtag broke up with my boyfriend, things like that. They are on their game and they're very smooth. And a lot of times they will pretend to be a fellow teenager and they're good at it. And so letting them know that it's not going to be that typical, hey, kid, do you want some candy, identifiable predator or trafficker? It's going to be someone that blends in so easily that you're in so far before you realize it. But we can always help you. You're not going to be in trouble. You have to give them that opportunity to communicate. You know, one thing you mentioned in there, Jamie, that I really liked is, you know, trying to equip our children as they get older to make good decisions. So it's, you know, there's this balance between supervising and overseeing, which I completely agree. If they're under my roof and I'm paying for the cell phone, I have a right to monitor it. Uh, So there is a responsibility to monitor, but we also need to be trying to you know, equip them to make good decisions and to keep us informed and have open communication. And I know there's different challenges with different kids, so I'm not trying to minimize that. 
I'm just saying right. that there's a balance there. And as our kids get older, we're trying to equip them so that when, mm-hmm. then when they're adults, you know, then they're going to be on their own and they're going to need to make those wiser decisions. And so if we foster open communication, then, you know, that's part of the battle. We can't just depend, I think, on, you know, well, I've got all these blocks on, the, on my kid's phone. I don't know that we can just rely on all of that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and now, it's, it's um, great to go. Go ahead, Jamie. I would say it's great to think that you want to refrain from social media till a certain point in time to protect your child, and that that has its benefits. But one of the the downfalls of that is just because your child is not personally on social media doesn't mean that their photograph hasn't been on there and that they're not aware of that. That I've seen has been the downfall of when they they don't have access to it. They don't know that they're being ridiculed. And so someone can come home from school one day and that night they're completely blasted all over social media. They go to school the next day. Everyone has seen this photo. They have no idea. That is what will astronomically raise the depression rate. And they come home from school. You have no idea because you think maybe they got a bad math test and you're you know doing everything you should. They're not on social media when really... They are. They're just not on their own account. They're blasted all over everyone else's. Yeah, that's a great point. Now, the predatory behavior, Jamie, is not just targeted towards kids. I mean, many adults can be taken advantage of as well. Are there different signs for adults? What kinds of scams are adults more likely to be subject to? If you listen to the theory of if it's too good to be true, it probably is, that's a great one to just keep in mind when you go through your social media. If, it, if they want you to share something because it's going to be have a winner or it's free, um, you can always research the source. If it's a brand new source, it's probably not true or site. Um, it doesn't have the blue verified check. It's not going to be a legitimate page. If there's no reviews, things like that, uh, most of the time, those are just spammers or hackers looking to just gain access to your page. They're clickbait, things like that. Um, if you've engaged with other people on a political post or a social post, that's where your analytics start to get processed through the Internet and phishing tactics and pop-ups will come through. Um, but that's kind of where people will fall into the trap of I'm entering a contest or I'm doing this, I'm sharing this, and it's just not exactly what it's presented as. Jamie, before we uh, go to our next break, I do want to ask you, you know, what are some tools or apps that parents can use or even adult users can install that can keep us safer when we are online? I'm a big fan of the Disney Circle. I find that to be very beneficial. And then also Bark. Bark has a membership that is not super expensive, but it also will alert the parent if it has inappropriate photos, context of language that is depressing or vulgar and then it will keep track of like their social media interactions that are concerning we're visiting this morning with jamie fromberger she's a social media expert we're talking about social media safety uh, here on more living with jim brogan when we come back uh, we're going to get more into our safety and identities and we're going to talk a little bit about this net this Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. It's gotten quite a bit of coverage. What does it really mean for us? You've probably been on your own phone, and you've maybe had a or just had your phone with you, and you've had a conversation about, um, you know, something, and then all of a let's say you've had a conversation about cast iron pans, and then all of a sudden you start getting advertisements uh, to buy a lodge cast iron, and so you know it's kind of scary the way we're being tracked and monitored. So what are the risks that that poses? 
Uh, we also have our dollars and cents segment. How secure is Social Security? In a recent report from the Trust Fund, post-COVID pandemic, it's going to run out in about 11 years, the Social Security Trust Fund. So what does that mean for you and what do you need to be doing? So stay tuned. we got a lot to talk about as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. And, you know, social media is a great way to stay connected, but there are also more and more dangers as it becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives. We're visiting with Jamie Fromberger. She's a social media expert. She's a consultant. She's worked with the school systems here in town. Uh, also with some law enforcement agencies, so it's great to have her on. Uh, before we get back to Jamie, however, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now... Here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. How secure is Social Security? That's our topic today on Dollars and Cents. You know, earlier this year, the Social Security Trust Fund announced, there's really the Congressional Budget Office, that the Social Security Trust Fund was secured until 2035. But that was pre-pandemic. And due to the COVID world and all the layoffs, think of all the people that have lost their jobs or been furloughed. And those people have not been paying Social Security payroll tax into the system. So there's been a huge reduction in the amount of money going into the Social Security Trust Fund through our payroll taxes since March. And so there's been a recent analysis by the Congressional Budget Office, and it's now projected that Social Security Trust Fund will run out in 2031. So that's 11 years from now. And at that point, the estimate is that Social Security incoming payroll taxes would fall about 25% short of funding the potential obligations and liabilities. You know, it's not long. We're going to have roughly 80 million people in 2024, 2025, that are going to be on Social Security retirement. At that point, all baby boomers will be 70 years old. Uh, Or excuse me, 2034. 
uh, all baby boomers will be 70 years old. And so over that next bit of time, we're going to go from about 60 million Social Security beneficiaries to make closer to 80. So we're going to increase our beneficiaries by 33%. So that's quite a number. But despite the looming financial crisis with the debt and, and all the spending from Congress, Social Security reform is just frankly not at the top of anyone anyone's legislative priority list. No matter who wins the White House here in a couple of weeks or which party controls the House and the Senate, nobody's worrying about that right now. So, you know, the political environment right now is just nothing's going to happen immediately, no matter who wins, in my opinion. You know, we have 200,000 people dead from coronavirus. God bless any of you that have been impacted and millions that are out of work. So it's just not at the top of the list of priorities, but it's a problem for down the road. Now, what's, what does that likely mean for you? Uh, it, it doesn't seem likely to me that we're just going to, you know, all of a sudden have a 20, 25% reduction in your Social Security benefit. They're not going to just automatically reduce the benefit of 80 million Americans. You know, if you're over 60 years old, I think the base structure of Social Security is unlikely to change for you. Could they do additional means testing? where more of your Social Security benefit gets taxed for ordinary income tax? Yes. I think that's very likely. But fundamentally changing, for example, Social Security for retirement age, if you're 60 or up, very unlikely. If you're under 50, it's very likely we're going to see some changes. If you're between 50 and 60, it's really up in the air. But 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 what would those changes look like? I mean, they've talked about adjusting the benefit you know, but, uh, some have talked about, you know, adjusting it to favor lower income workers. They've talked about adjusting the cost of living formula, uh, increasing the portion subject to income taxes, as I just said, or raising the full retirement age. You know, if they raise the full retirement age to 69 for those that are under 50 years old, that would essentially be a 12%, roughly a 12% reduction in your Social Security benefit because your full benefit would be put back two more years. So that would reduce your benefit by about 12% based on whenever you file. So there's a lot of ways to address this. Bottom line is if you're already, you know, 60 or up, I think the big thing is just to understand, you know, you're going to probably pay down the line all income tax on all that income. Right now, you don't have to. If you're younger, you should probably run analysis in your financial plan you know, you should run different scenarios. What is it under current law? And then if, if, if there was a 20% reduction in your Social Security benefit in the future, how would that affect you? And I think that's all useful. I think it's not useful to just assume it will not be there for you. I think you can run those scenarios in your financial planning. I think that's fine because I do think we need to be more and more reliable or, or more and more, you know, rely on ourselves to fund our own needs in retirement. But I, I'm not a gloom and doomer where I think it's just going to go away for young folks. It just needs to be adjusted for, and you need your financial plan for down the road. You need it to have flexibility and be fluid and be adjusted. And you've got to, above all else, you've got to have a financial plan. You've got to know, where am I now? Where am I wanting to get to? What are the risks of me getting there? And how do you implement the plan? That's how do you invest your money. It's how do you structure income down the line. How do you structure for, for short-term cash needs, you know, whether it's emergencies or short-term income. 
How do you minimize taxes now and in the future? How do you plan for health care risks? And what is your estate plan? How are you going to take care of not only you and your family, but all of your other loved ones? So develop a financial plan that is fluid and takes advantage of opportunities as they evolve. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Please do check us out at BroganFinancial.com. Also, if you click on resources, I've got a new guide out. You might have heard me talk about it this week on the radio. The election, federal stimulus, and the stock market. I can't tell you how many people are asking me, Jim, how might the election affect the stock market? It's a, it's a very good, neutral, objective guide that looks at data. We look at investor behavior. What can we learn from that? And how should we be thinking about the economic impact of COVID-19 and other economic realities, not only now, but when we go back through history and look at past presidential terms, what have other economic realities really meant? So if you go to BroganFinancial.com, you can click on resources and you can download my election guide and many other guides that I've provided. You can also follow us online. You can get a weekly e-newsletter where we bring you video blogs, Uh, We also bring you special guides that you can download. You can also uh, get links to our past radio shows and dollars and cents segments. Again, that's BroganFinancial.com. This morning, we're visiting with Jamie Fromberger. She's a social media expert, and we're talking about some of the dangers of social media on many, many different levels. And, uh, Jamie, let's talk about The Social Dilemma, a documentary that recently came out on Netflix You know, I've seen about half of it. My wife and I started it, and then one night it got a little bit late. We started falling asleep, and we've not finished it. And I know it gets more and more concerning as you get more into it, but there's been a lot of buzz around it. And basically, the amount of data that social media and online companies gain from your every click, every like, every search, and could it even be our conversations our phones are lurking in the background. Were were there any shocking revelations to you when you watched it? Yes, and I will say I probably got about as far as you did, um, but I was really overwhelmed. I had my two teenagers watch it with me, and they both decided to delete Instagram on their phones that night. It did quickly resurface back, but um, I was <laughs> yeah. more more surprised than I expected to be because doing the marketing aspect of it, I know how the analytics work and the targeting right. and how what you click makes me be able to know your interests to provide revenue for the businesses. But I will say that I continuously pictured those two guys in my head running around or the three guys. um, Well, she likes this. She's going to do this. We need to have a pop-up. And so every time I'll get a pop-up for something, I picture them sending me the pop-up to my phone to get my attention. Um, So that was kind of surprising to me with how much work actually went into it. Yeah, and what you're talking about there, Jamie, for those of you that haven't seen it, is, you know, they're tracking everything we do. And what was alarming to me, and it makes sense if we really sit down and think about it, but, you know, they're being paid to get us to spend more time on our phones and on our devices. Because the more time we spend there, the more data we're consuming, right? So advertisers, you know, the a Facebook, they want you on your phone. 
And so Mm -hmm. they're trying to do everything they can. So it's almost like feeding an addiction and they're trying to do it. I mean, is that a safe way to say that? So you mentioned the three guys in the room because they were using to kind of paint the picture of what's going on, even though it's all done through, you know, through automation and through, you know, these geniuses in that in in Silicon Valley that, that do this programming. But they're basically trying to you know when you're not engaged they're trying to get you to engage more and then when you when you are engaged they're trying to keep you there so it can really become a dirty thing to feed into itself is am i summarizing that correctly you are and when you say addiction what was the line that they said only two businesses refer to you as the customer social media and drugs or drug dealers that was that was a pretty heavy line that they used do you remember yeah, that really, one that they said? I do. I do yeah. remember that line. It's kind of scary. Um, yeah. It just brings up so but, many things because, you know, I mean, it can at, at, at some level it can be very productive. I mean, it's good for businesses to be able to target consumers who would be interested in what they do. I mean, that's what we as consumers, I mean, even me myself, I mean, when I'm, you know, I'm on both sides of that. I'm a business. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are interested in what I do, you know, it's a way to market and you help companies throughout the area do that. I'm also a consumer. You know, I'm also online and I have certain interests. And when I've, you know, I visited a website the other day to look for something and all of a sudden I started getting these targeted ads. Almost every website I went to, I got these targeted ads trying to get me back to that website. So, and there's some health to that. I mean, I'm obviously an interested consumer. But it's just it's just gone so far, right? I mean, ha- they, what was interesting to me, Jamie, is you know they had these top Silicon Valley engineers and experts that had helped develop a lot of this, that have then become tremendously concerned about where it's gone, like people that helped build a lot of these platforms for Google and Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. And one thing I remember is that one of the guys that was in, and I don't remember who it was for, it might have been Instagram, I don't remember for sure, but he helped build the whole platform. And he said he, he'll catch himself, like he'll be in his pantry. He, the story he gave, he was in his pantry looking for food uh, to, to put something together, and he got distracted by his phone. And he stood there, mm-hmm. and it, it was like an hour and a half later, he was still standing in his pantry looking at his phone, consuming data. And he knows what they're doing, what's going on. Well, and what I think people may not realize is there are some things that you can do on your own phone to reduce that. One of the things I tell in my seminars is when you download an app, one of the first things that will pop up, they'll say, do you allow access to your microphone, location, and camera? Many times people are so quick to get the app, they just hit yes, 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 out of muscle memory. So at that point, you have given that app, whether it needs it or not, access to all three of those things full time running in your background. So if you've downloaded, you know, a game that doesn't need to have your camera, well, now it has your camera. Um, For instance, Snapchat, if you ever went through their 11 page uh, rules and regulations, it primarily says in there that you are allowing it to use your camera full time and then provide it to third parties. So I have that highlighted that I hand out to the students. They can see that their information is going to third parties. But if you went to your Safari and you can hit your website, you can see if all of them are using your camera, microphone, and location. And it may be um, only when asked, deny, or always. And if it's on always, then every website you visit 
has access to your camera, microphone, and location. People don't know that that's in there, and that's the general iPhone setting. Um, I only have an iPhone, so I'm not super familiar with Android, but I'm sure it's something like that with the Chrome. Same thing with if you go to your uh, settings and you do reduce pop-ups on your phone, it has Apple advertising, and you can see your own analytics. And if you remove that, it'll help stop it, but it should have your date of birth in there and your location, but you can block the pop-ups from there, and that should help a lot. That those are great, great points. We've got to learn more about how to how we can engage like that and and restrict some of the invasion of privacy. We're visiting with Jamie Fromberg, a social media expert. Jamie, we're almost out of time. We're going to have a short last segment, but I do want to get into the permanent nature of what we post and helping people, especially the kids, understand that. And there can ultimately be benefits to this. How do we use it productively? You've already kind of shared a little bit about how, uh, some of that, about how we can use it and, and, and not ha- have our settings, you know, protect us somewhat. So stay tuned as we visit with Jamie Fromberger. This is More Living on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to more living with jim brogan if you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement and now here's senior market advisor magazine's 2011 national advisor of the year and host of more living jim brogan this is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. You're listening to More Living here on, uh, here. I'm Jim Brogan, excuse me, on Saturday morning. And we're talking about some of the good things, but also some of the dangerous things about social media and the world we live in with all of the big tech stuff. Uh, check us out online, broganfinancial.com. If you've missed a part of this radio show, we'll have it ready uh, within a day or two. We'll have it certainly by early next week. You can also sign up at my website, broganfinancial.com, to get our e-newsletter, which provides you a link to our most current radio content. You can also download our resources. My most recent resource is a guide to the election. It's the election from a mu- the stock market. It's the election, federal stimulus, and the stock market. How's like this possibly going to affect your money? So do check us out online. Now, Jamie, I mentioned there one of the hardest things for many children and teens to grasp is that whatever they put on the Internet or they upload through a social app or send through a text even, it maybe could be accessible forever. You know, I have great memories of childhood and college years that are documented with physical camera photos, but how important is it for people and especially our young people to understand the non-erasable nature of the digital world? You know, it can impact their future greatly. Uh, right now, it's 25% of college admissions officers look at prospective students as they go through their applications. And I don't think that kids realize that, that that's available. Yeah, you're basically putting your, it's kind of like you're, you're exposing yourself completely to any prospective school or an employer. It is. And we do have um, in Tennessee, it's the Employee Online Privacy Act. So while an employer 
can't necessarily request your password and ID to sign on. If they did, there's no real penalty, but they can use whatever they find against you online that's public and they can terminate you for it. And they have every right to do that. So there's a lot that could be used against you and what you're doing right now may not be in your future thoughts. Now, Jamie, as I mentioned, you know, social media itself is not evil and it's actually a great tool. And many companies use it to communicate. We use it to consume data. We can get access to information so easily now. So there are many benefits for social media. So bottom line, big picture, what do you think is the best way? And we just have about just a quick 30 or 40 seconds, Jamie. What's the best way for people to look at their social media use? Just ensure that you're being as safe as possible. You're not providing too much personal information with your username, your location sharing, and your habits, and that your conversations are meaningful. And what you share, you would share with everybody, the businesses you follow or who you truly like to follow, and that you're, you're doing something of importance within your, ne- your network. That's a great word. Jamie, if people are interested in you as a consultant, how can they find out more about Jamie Fromberger? Um, they can just email me directly, jamiefromberger at gmail.com. Jamie Fromberger at gmail.com. Jamie, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. You know so much about this, and it was very enlightening for me, and I'm sure for many of our, most all of our listeners. Yeah, thank you for having me so much. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. That's Jamie Fromberger. Okay. And, uh, to, you know, today we've been discuss, uh, discussing social media and how to use it because greater application per- can provide for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jill, producing the show. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. Have a great week. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.